Hello and welcome to BB On The Record, this podcast from British Bandsmen. I'm Mark Good, editor of British Bandsmen, and in this episode I hear from trumpet soloist Matilda Lloyd. Since she burst onto the scene with successes in the BBC Young Musician of the Year Brass Final and what was then the BBC Radio 2 Young Brass Awards, Matilda has cemented her reputation as one of the outstanding performers of her generation. Now 25, she's combining her busy solo career with studies in Malmo with trumpet legend Hawken Hardenberger. Matilda looks back on her musical career to date, including a performance with Cory Band that she credits among her favourite concert experiences. She discusses her musical roots, from finding an old trumpet in the back of her parents' cupboard, to experimenting with the cello, and finding her passion for standing out front as a soloist. Matilda, who was speaking to me from Germany, also discussed life in lockdown, which meant practising amongst the cattle at her parents' farm in Kent, and she looks ahead as her diary of engagements starts to look a little more like normal once more. But first, how has she been getting on during these very strange times? It's been a tricky 14 months, but I think, you know, as musicians, we are lucky to have music that we can make and play and be able to have that sort of outlet to express our emotions. And I've definitely found throughout the pandemic that, you know, having that outlet has been really, really helpful. And in certain times of relaxed rules, it's been great to to still be able to do a few things and play with people here and there. And, you know, we all miss the making music with other people and playing in front of a live audience. So Hopefully, fingers crossed, we are heading back towards that now. I think we're all really looking forward to that. Clearly, in the midst of a global pandemic, things are put firmly in perspective when people's health is at stake. But pretty much overnight in March 2020, life changed for a lot of people, including those in the arts. How much of a gear change was it for you, Matilda? Did everything come to a sudden stop? Yes. So I was traveling a lot at the beginning of 2020 and I'd I'd just come back from Germany and I'd been in Switzerland. And then I came back to the UK and I did two concerts. And on the the second concert, I think I remember rightly, it was the 14th of March. And that was when um, there were all these, you know, London was going into a very strict lockdowns and they were talking about sending the army and like patrol the streets and to stop people leaving. So I remember calling up my parents and saying please just come to the concert pick me up (laughs) take me home and so it ended up with me and my sister and my partner all in lockdown in my parents house uh, in the countryside down in Kent for three months which was you know when you leave home to go to uni however many years ago it was now you never expect that you'll be home again for quite such a long time but we were very lucky because it's in the it's on a they live my parents live on a farm in the countryside so and we have a dog so it was nice to be able to kind of go for walks in lockdown and to be like there in nature and actually I ended up practicing outside in the fields quite a lot um with the, with the cows and <laughs> it was nice to be able to do that so we were lucky in a sense but yeah literally just everything stopped and no one really had any idea when things would open up again It's been that element of uncertainty, isn't it? But at least you had a little bit of breathing space out there on the farm. Now, for anyone who might not be aware, you've accomplished so much in your musical career already, and you're only 25. There have been wins in international trumpet competitions, the BBC Young Musician of the Year Brass Final, 
what was then the Radio 2 Young Brass Award, you've performed with symphony orchestras all over the world, and you released your debut album in October 2018. Not only that, you graduated with a first-class degree in music from Cambridge University in 2017, and received a master's degree from the Royal Academy in London in 2019. I believe you're also currently studying an artist diploma at the Malmo Academy of Music. How have you managed to cram in so much already? Uh, well, it's a good question. <laughs> you know, it was it was amazing to go to Cambridge and doing all the, the studying there, although, you know, the terms were very, very intense and I didn't have a huge amount of time for practice. The terms are only, I think it's eight weeks or 10 weeks. I can't remember now, but they're, you know, you're not actually there for a long time and you have very long holidays. So I was always able to do loads of practice in the holidays and because a music degree is quite flexible in that you don't have like loads of lectures and it's not like a an engineering degree where you're in the lab every day from nine till five, four or, you know, whatever. I didn't have a huge amount of lectures. So there was quite a lot of flexibility in terms of, you know, if, if I had to miss a week to go and do a concert or whatever. So that was, that was you know, actually fit in very well with sort of trying to pursue the, the solo trumpet career on the side. And then when I left Cambridge, and went to the Royal Academy. Obviously, I was in London in the thick of it, or, you know, surrounded by musicians. And all I was doing was playing the trumpet all the time. So I could make the most of any opportunity that came my way. And the Academy was very flexible. You just have to be proactive in terms of saying, look, I've got these concerts this term, so please can I be excused on those particular days? Then it's very, very easy and they just don't sort of book you in for a project in that week. And so being organised, I think, definitely helps. (laughs) In 2014, you performed with Corey Band at the European Festival of Brass Gala concert in Perth. What do you remember of that event and have there been other times where your career has crossed paths with the world of brass bands? I would say that probably that that whole competition, that was probably really the most I've ever played with brass band because I played with Foden's, I played with Fairy Band, I think, as well um, at, at the competition like in the finals. And then I also went back the next year as the winner and played another piece with the band for the next year's competition. Um, but playing playing with Corey was just, it, it was an incredible experience. I've never never experienced anything quite like it because it was at the championships. It was like being at... I can only describe it as being like at like at a football game <laughs> with all like so many fans and they all had I remember there were people with like their, their Viking yeah. helmets. I remember a big group of people with their Viking helmets. That was quite something. And you know, everyone was drinking beer and cheering and chanting and you know, it was an amazing atmosphere. And then so to play in the gala concert, you know, that hall was packed. There was not a a single seat empty. And so it was just like the most amazing atmosphere and everyone was so sort of enthusiastic and there for their love of brass instruments and and brass bands so probably one of my favorite concert experiences to be honest just because the the audience is loving it so much and they were so you know enthusiastic and that was really really cool and did you enjoy the experience of playing alongside Corey and indeed the other bands that, that you've been chatting about all those bands they're ranked among the very best yeah absolutely I mean when you are a soloist in New York you know, on stage playing with an orchestra. Obviously, you don't ever have that much rehearsal time. And one thing I particularly notice about brass bands is that they're just so well rehearsed and they knew all the music so, so well. So when I got on stage and was playing with them, it felt so easy and so natural as well. 
and again because they're brass instruments everyone breathes together and it's some, it's a bit different actually than than playing with a with an orchestra where you've got string players and it was that really sort of that sense of like the collective breath in and breath out was 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 really really nice feeling when you're in the position you are matilda you're maybe doing at least in normal times quite a bit of traveling meeting groups or ensembles with which you may be familiar or perhaps not how long does it take to settle into a groove with that group to find that sort of dynamic because i guess all the ensembles are different aren't they yeah as you say it really varies um from ensemble to ensemble and most of the time it actually is quite easy if there's a language barrier it can sometimes be harder but in saying that i do speak a little bit of french a little bit of german so that that helps you sort of try and you know you say the few words that you know and try and greet them in their their own language and things like that but music is a universal language it was the, the the cheesy thing that everybody says but it's so true and you know you can make those connections really really quickly through playing music together so i don't think i've ever had you know a group of musicians or an ensemble that it that that connection hasn't been formed well we were chatting about your banding experiences a moment ago and that brings us to your piece of the podcast so matilda tell me your thoughts behind picking this piece my first real experience with, with banding but you, if you can call it a brass band because it did have french horns instead of tenor horns <laughs> was the junior guildhall brass band so i joined junior guildhall when i was 14 um, and I think that this, we must have played this piece probably when I was about 16 or 17. We put together this brass band to play on top of a barge on the River Thames for the Queen's Diamond Jubilee. I was playing the solo flugelhorn part and we were performing River Dance, um, which as everyone listening to this podcast will know is, you know, tricky for the fingers fast and um yeah they need to be sort of you know working <laughs> and on this particular day it was probably oh less than 10 degrees it was freezing cold even though it was in the middle of the summer typical england freezing cold and absolutely chucking it down with rain i mean it was full-on like you know the the tubers and the euphoniums were having to tip their bells upside down to get the water out like halfway through it was that level of like craziness we all had these like waterproof ponchos on and i just remember my fingers being so cold that they could hardly move but managing to to play the, this river dance and i always love the piece and it sort of rem reminds me of being a being a young teenager and playing this fun music with with friends in crazy crazy circumstances well let's hopefully not give you too many flashbacks as we now listen to the sound of Black Dyke Band performing Riverdance.
River Dance, music by Bill Whelan, arranged for a brass band by Ray Farr. That recording came from Black Dyke Band under the baton of Nicholas Childs, and it was the piece of the podcast as chosen by my guest today, Matilda Lloyd. Matilda, you're someone who's achieved a lot in your musical career already, so what age were you when you started out and how did it all begin for you? So I first started the trumpet when I was eight. My mum is actually a piano teacher, so she sort of started teaching me little bits on the piano when I was maybe four or five. Um, started teaching me, you know, notes and rhythms and things like that. So that was really great. I loved that. But when I was eight, I was sort of, you know, looking through the cupboards, trying to find some some new toy to play with. You know, I was bored one day and I came across my dad's old trumpet because he played trumpet when he was at school. So he, you know, played throughout school and then stopped at 18 when he left school. And yeah, he he kept his old trumpet and I discovered it and thought, wow, this looks cool. This is, you know, a shiny new toy to play with kind of thing. And yeah, could make a decent sound on it. So got some lessons and that's really how it started. Yeah, probably my the trumpet sort of became very important to me. I got into the National Children's Orchestra when I was about 13. And then from that, met lots of people that were at Junior Guildhall and Junior Academy and Junior College and everything. Um, and so that really spurred me on to then go and apply. And um, that really sort of is when the music really took off and became such a big part of my life. And was it always going to be trumpet? You didn't ever cast a glance over to the trombones or the French horns or something like that. You always just kept with the trumpet. Yeah, no, I never considered changing away from the trumpet in terms of brass instruments. When I was 10, I did decide that two instruments wasn't enough and I was also going to learn the cello. So I also played the cello until the end of school. I did, I did want to, I remember wanting to give up one year before school ended. And then my parents were like, no, just keep having lessons for one more year, get your last exam. And then, you know, then you can leave the cello. So after my final exam, that was the last time I ever played the cello. It went back in the box and (laughs) I never played it again. I I dabbled in other instruments, but the trumpet has my heart. (laughs) Would you say it was when you started having those National Youth Orchestra experiences and so on that you perhaps took it to the next level? The reason why I gravitated to the trumpet so much as a teenager and growing up was because you could do so many different things with it. I was in like the county jazz orchestras, wind ensembles, uh, obviously orchestras, um, brass dectets, brass quintets, brass bands. You know, there were so many different types of music that you could play. You know, it was a very social instrument. Playing a brass instrument is a very sociable thing as well. So all my best friends were always from these musical activities and it was just so much fun I think I think you know looking back on it I just remember having such a blast with in all these different ensembles with all my friends and it was just like the most fun thing. (laughs) Where did the desire to stand out front come from or was that more of a natural evolution? That probably started around the time I was in sixth form. So I sort of 16, 17, I started basically applying for sort of local competitions. So for example, like the, you know, the local young musician of the year competitions and things like that, just for fun really. And often just as a kind of, oh, I'll practice these pieces before I have to play them in an exam or, you know, that kind of thing. And then ended up winning a few. And often these types of competitions have got performance opportunities like attached to the prize. So, for example, when I won the Woking Young Musician of the Year, I got to do a concerto with the Woking Symphony Orchestra and things like that. 
suddenly I started, you know, being able, having the opportunities to be able to perform concertos at quite a young age, 17, 16, 17, 18. I think my first concerto was when I was 17. But then I did quite a few in, the, in those kind of last couple of years of school. Um, and then that really spurred me on to, to enter those BBC competitions um, when I was 18. I was doing a lot more of the solo repertoire and having a lot more opportunities to play solo repertoire and also just really, 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 really enjoying that, falling in love with the, the solo repertoire for trumpet. Absolutely. And, and for me, ultimately, my favourite thing to do is to stand in front of an orchestra or a brass band or some kind of ensemble and perform. Out of all those wonderful experiences you've been able to enjoy so far, are you able to pick out any highlights? Always so difficult, but I mean, a definite highlight for me has to be playing at the BBC Proms in 2016, just because, you know, I was playing with the BBC Philharmonic Orchestra, who, is, who are just, you know, top, top class. Um, and I was playing at one of the 10 pieces Proms, which, is, which are geared it towards children. So the hall was absolutely full you know, I think probably, I think it's 8,000 people, if you include all the people like standing in the promenade and the gallery and everything. And it was being streamed onto the radio and the TV. So there were just so many people watching. And, and I just remember that experience of like walking out on stage at the Royal Albert Hall and being like, wow, this is really cool. <laughs> so that definitely has to, to stand out in my, in my memory. Also playing in America was really cool because they're very, very enthusiastic over there. And I was playing in a, a fairly big hall. It was in Oklahoma. There were about 2,000 people in the hall. And when I got to the end, everyone just leapt to their feet. And it was the first time I'd really experienced that kind of, I got to the end of the Arrow Union and just everyone got on their feet. And it was like, whoa, wow, okay, that's, that's cool. Thanks, guys. <laughs> two really special moments there, out of many, I'm sure. If you had to pick one or two, who would you say? has played a major influence in your musical development. Are there one or two cornerstone figures? I'm sure there are lots. Yeah, I mean, there's so many. I think in my sort of formative years, um, Spencer Down at Junior Guildhall was a huge figurehead for me and mentor. He was sort of the head of the brass department and, you know, he led the brass bands and the, the deck tets and the, you know, he was very, 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 very supportive and, he helped me prepare for the BBC Young Musician of the Year and things like that. So he, he's, he was really, really, yeah, a really great figure for me um, when I was younger. Definitely now my sort of biggest inspiration is my current professor, Hawken Hardenberger. Again, probably everyone listening to this podcast will know who he is. We've, you know, we've developed a really great relationship over the last few years. And I'm now, as you said, studying with him in Sweden. Um, although I haven't been to Sweden very much recently, which is a shame. <laughs> um, but we've kept in touch over FaceTime and things like that. And, you know, he's, as well as the developing the trumpet playing side of things, he's also um, giving me mentoring and advice. And he's, he's become a very important person. Now, Matilda, one aspect of life that you have to deal with that your predecessors didn't is that of social media. You have quite an active social media presence and you'll often share clips of yourself performing or even just practising and you'll throw some topics out there for discussion as well. How do you find that experience? Does it bring another way of connecting with perhaps new audiences? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've always found the social media to be a really positive thing and as you say, you can reach people who you never otherwise might connect with. Particularly for me, 
the whole community in South America and in America, the majority of my followers are on on that side of the pond uh, because they're just so excited by brass playing and they actually have a really big brass playing culture over there. So, you know, that's amazing to be able to connect with people on the other side of the world who love the trumpet and bring them something that they might not have heard before or, you know, people like to see the behind the scenes. I think that's what it is, you know, in generations previously, people only ever saw the soloist or the the player in their in the concert in their fancy concert dress with all their makeup and their hair done and you know you can seem sort of aloof and like at a distance from that but the nice thing about social media is that you can show you know just had a bath and I'm just you know I've got my wet hair and I've got no makeup on and I'm doing my Sunday morning practice or you know people like to see a bit of the process and then they feel like they're sort of following you on your journey. I really enjoy keeping up with the social media. Do you think that having that online presence is simply part and parcel of of being a modern soloist or being someone in the spotlight? I ask because I see more and more conservatoires and music colleges encouraging their students to think of themselves, whether it's as a brand or just to be mindful of their online presence. Absolutely, but I would say don't, be too crazy about it. I've always sort of designed my own website, you know, just using these kind of website builder tools and very much just sort of used selfies and used pictures at concerts. And I would never sort of encourage people to pay to get a logo designed, you know, when they're just still at college or pay for expensive photo shoots. Like by all means, you need a few headshots and things, fine. Get a friend who's (laughs) got a good camera, but don't go crazy with it. And also you don't want to lose the sense of who you are. I think that's probably the, the most authentic thing. You've got, you've got to be authentic. Um, you've got to be yourself. And if you think about it too hard and try to curate it too much as to, you know, the brand and that, that side of things, I think people will see right through that and they'll, they'll know it's not real. So I think, it's, I think it's important to talk about the things that you're interested in, show what you want to show, be yourself. And that's, ultimately what people want to see. I think that's really great advice. Being real, being authentic is the most important part of it. So Matilda, after 14 or 15 months like no other, gradually restrictions are being relaxed and hopefully that means a return to more and more performing arts activities. Anyone heading to your website, matildaloyd.com, will see that there are actual performance dates on there. How are you looking forward to doing a little bit more in the way of live music making? I can't wait. For some people, you know, they have to play their instrument and they don't care what they're doing and they have to play. But for me, it's more than that. For me, it's the the actual art of performing and like, you know, connecting with people and sharing my emotions and, you know, playing those pieces. I really, really can't wait to be back doing that again. And it makes practicing now so much more enjoyable because I know that I'm actually practicing for something that's gonna happen rather than just being like, oh, well, I've got a few months, I probably should learn some new pieces or, you know, it makes practicing so much more rewarding as well. I think there'll be lots of bands and bands people which can agree with that argument as well. Lots transitioned online, experimented with the Zoom rehearsals and all these sorts of things served a purpose but nothing replicates that feeling of getting in a room with other people and performing in front of an audience, does it? 
No, absolutely. And also, you know, it, we, we're so lucky to have all this technology and it's been great, you know, all these people doing their multi-track recordings and things like that. And it's great and live streaming is great and recording is great, but nothing beats that sort of magic of live music that you, you just can't replicate through a screen. That's it for this episode of BB On The Record. Thank you to Matilda Lloyd and thanks to you for listening. Do get in touch about anything you might have heard on the podcast. You can email info at britishbandsman.com. You can enjoy a digital subscription to British Bandsman. It costs just £42.99 for one year. For the latest news, interviews and masterclasses from the stars, make sure you don't miss out go to BritishBandsman.com and click on subscribe. As for this podcast, you can find it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts and Spotify. Or just ask your smart speaker to play the BB On The Record podcast. Join me next time on BB On The Record. Bye for now. (laughs) 